0: The following may contain satire that will offend absolutely everyone. I want to apologize in advance for the fact that I don't care. As the economy continues to open despite widespread panic among journalists and other journalists and the people who believe journalists, who are also journalists, professional sports leagues are discussing changes they would like to make to placate angry, hate-filled anti-Americans, who are journalists. The NFL, for instance, has announced that from now on, its games will begin with players lining up for the national anthem and then bearing their buttocks to the American flag, not in a way meant to convey disrespect, of course, but merely as a reminder that this is the worst country on earth, and every single person in it is a piece of garbage who should immediately look in the mirror and spit on his own image. The players will then swagger to the center of the field, lifting their middle fingers and calling people racist if they refuse to enjoy the sight of men making millions of dollars by throwing a ball around, apparently for their own amusement, since at this point no one will be watching. NASCAR has decided it will ban the display of the Confederate flag, as well as drinking beer, reckless driving, the wearing of cowboy hats, and the appearance of Daisy Dukes on women likely to encourage non-inclusive heterosexual thoughts. Cars will no longer be decorated by the logos of capitalist corporate sponsors, but will instead bear declarations that Black Lives Matter and rainbow pride symbols as they travel slowly but safely around in endless circles under empty grandstands, because at this point, no one will be watching. Baseball, after a long labor dispute, is decided on a season of three games, each game lasting 17 hours, because the players' union complained the old games were just too long. Players will only participate in the games if they should happen to feel like it, and will not be required to tip their hats after a home run, since no one will be watching. Major League Soccer has announced their games will go on just as before, with no one watching. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Clavin. And this is The Andrew Clavin Show. I'm the hunky Life is tickety-boo, birds are winging, also singing, hunky-dunkety-doo, ship-shaped, ipsy-topsy, the world is a zing it's a wonderful day, hoorah, hooray, it makes me want to sing, oh, hooray, hooray. oh, hooray. All right. Welcome back from the Clavenless Weekend. It is time to suck up some of that Claveny goodness. And you want to get all the Claveny goodness you can by going to YouTube and subscribing to the Andrew Claven channel. Uh, we're trying to get over, I think still, we're still trying to make 70,000. Is that where we are? And the important thing is, this is the place where you can get my openings, even if (laughs) anyone else tries to censor them. They'll all be there. And of course, please leave your comments. That is good for us. But we will also read them if they're good. Now here's, uh, Chandler, uh, Gloyd. Uh, reflecting on the show, just saying he liked the part where Claven is bald. So, so that's, that's a good sign, I think. Uh, there was a lot of talk over the weekend about a Wall Street Journal editorial talking about Trump's slumping poll numbers. Uh, here's a selection of quotes from the editorial. Trump wasted his chance to show leadership, by turning his daily pandemic pressers into brawls with the bear-baiting press. The country wants firm but empathetic leadership on race, but Mr. Trump offers combative tweets that inflame. As of now, Mr. Trump has no second-term agenda beyond four more years of himself, unquote. Even diehard fans of Trump have been talking about the fact that he's in a slump. My friend John Nolte, one of the most honest people I've ever met, he works at Breitbart, he says he would crawl over broken glass to vote for Trump, He also says Trump is blowing the election by acting like, quote, an undisciplined, thin-skinned man-baby. There's still plenty of reason for hope. The polls are probably somewhat worse than reality, and Trump reportedly is now awake to the problem, which is a good thing. On our side, the voter side, I think there's one trend we have to guard against. Let's call it the battered wife syndrome. I've now heard from several conservatives who tell me they hope a Biden win will calm the left down and stop the chaos. This to me is like saying your husband will stop beating you if you can just keep house the way he likes it. Your husband isn't beating you because you're bad. He's beating you because he's a stinking wife beater. Likewise, the left isn't tearing down America because of Trump, and they won't stop because of Biden. They're tearing down America because that's who they are, and a Democrat victory will make them more powerful, not less, especially after they get rid of the filibuster as Mitch McConnell didn't have the savvy or the guts to do. Trump is, as I've said repeatedly, a great big American character with great big American flaws. I'm sorry we can't find a candidate who has the courage to do what Trump has done without having Trump's bad behavior. I blame a Republican mainstream that ignored the Tea Party, a conservative intellectual class that produced theories without political victories, in which I include myself, and a cowardly right-wing establishment that will not risk a nickel to stand and fight for the culture in which I do not include myself. This is a tragic moment. Our elites are corrupt. Our institutions are decadent. It may be sad that Trump's our only hope, but don't kid yourself. Trump is our only hope. All right, let us talk about one of our other hopes, which is rockauto.com. We love rockauto.com, not only because they give you great car parts at excellent prices from the comfort of your own home, but because you get to say, rockauto.com. And what could be better than that? I mean, that is just what you want. You just want to wake up in the morning, your car's not running, you need an auto part. You don't want to drive down and stand online with a mask on and try and get a part from somebody with a computer who doesn't know any more than you do. No, you just want to say rockauto.com. It just feels like this power is surging through you and suddenly you're standing there on a on a com- your own computer, getting all the car parts you need for any model you've got at the prices you can afford. rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years, go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Claven in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. And write Claven in the box that says, how do you spell Claven Because you want to know that it's K-L-A. K-L-A. You know, there there are are no, I, I was just going to say that there are no E's in Cleveland. You know, I've, I've told this story before. I'm going to tell it uh, one more time. Uh, you know, when the Tea Party first came out, I was asked to speak uh, to a Tea Party group. And I did. And I met the t- people from the Tea Party. And I was so incredibly lit up. I just was so optimistic. I thought, wow, these are the people uh, that I want to know. They're finally awake. The people are finally awake. They're demanding smaller government. They're not demanding all kinds of social things that we can't agree on. They just want smaller government, less spending. They want the, the party and the government to listen to them. This is during the Obama uh, era. As I'm driving home from this thing, a friend of mine calls me up and she says, oh, we're having some of the top Republicans uh, in Congress at my house and they'd like to meet you. Why don't you come over and have a drink? Come over and I have a drink with some of the top Republicans. I'm talking to two of them. And I said to them, you know, <laughs> because I can never keep my mouth shut about anything. I said, listen, a lot of what's happening now is is your fault. You know, you didn't stand up to Obamacare. You haven't stood up to Obama and you you while, when you were in power you spent like drunken sailors so now there's no reason for us to say we can handle the economy and the, these these guys looked at me and I'm telling you these were big time guys and they looked at me and they said well you know we're going to ride this tea party wave see we're going to ride this tea party wave and then we're just going to dump these Tea Party people because they don't know what they're talking. They're just the mob, you know, but we're going to use them. We're going to, you know, move them along to get the get the votes and then we're going to dump them. They're looking me in the eye and they're saying this. And when I said to them, this is your fault, one of the guys just turned, literally did an about face, turned his back on me and walked away. And I thought I came into this place feeling like a million bucks because I had met the Tea Party and they were the best of America. And they were the people who should be running the country and should be the people that the government should be listening to. And I walked out of this party. I was like as close to suicidal as I get. I was so depressed. I just thought these guys don't get it. They're not listening. This is why Trump is where he is. This is why Trump is the guy in the, in the Oval Office. And it's also what you're hearing from guys like Bill Kristol and all these people who hate Donald Trump is they failed. They, not, they didn't fail on a low level. They failed at the very top level. They failed to stand up to Obama. They failed to uh, challenge him the way Trump has been challenged in uh, Congress. They have failed. Even now, Mitch McConnell has failed to get rid of the filibuster. And you know the Democrats are going to get rid of the filibuster like that if they win the next election. It'll be gone. They'll be passing legislation against guns, against everything. It'll just be coming right off the top, They'll pa- passing judges, the whole thing. It's because the right won't fight that everybody said, oh, Trump will fight, and he will fight. But part of his fighting is that he is a egotistical, pugilistic guy, and it's very, very unappealing, and that's the problem we're having now. But we cannot forget, we cannot forget who they are. See, this is part, this is part of the thing that's going on, is that the press because we won't fight on a cultural level. You know, let, let me give you an example. There was a, just, just as I was coming on, uh, there was a decision in the Supreme Court, and we had Jenna Ellis on to talk about this uh, case. The Supreme Court struck down a Louisiana law restricting abortions. They ruled by five to four vote that it was identical to a Texas law, and therefore the precedent that struck down the Texas law had to be in place to strike down this law. And the law was that you had to be able to get. Um, um, you had to be able to get to a hospital so you could admit the patients and all this. It was one of these things that the right does when they're trying to attack abortion, where instead of making the argument about abortion, they make an argument about an ancillary case, just trying to stop this thing from happening. And I understand why they do that, but it, in this case, it gave guess who John Roberts the uh, the the reason he needed to wiggle out of this. John Roberts was on the majority of this, the four liberals and John Roberts, and we know it. And he said, I joined the dissent in the whole women's health, the Texas one. And I continue to believe that that case was wrongly decided, he says. But because it was decided that way, that's the precedent that governs this case. And so I'm going to rule on this, which Justice Thomas just came out and said, yeah, there's, there's no right. The, the federal government has no right uh, to ban to say that abortion can't be banned by the states. There's nothing in the Constitution. I mean, Thomas is just being really honest about it. But this points to something, okay? We play their game, okay? They turned the Supreme Court into a legislature because the legislature doesn't like legislating because they have to take responsibility for it. So we said, oh, if that's the game, we're going to fight for the Supreme Court and we're always going to be in this battle. But that's their battle. Our battle is to get the legislature To legislate, our battle was to go to Mitch McConnell and say, Dude, if you don't get rid of that filibuster and pass some laws while we have the majority, you're out of there. We will vote you out. We're coming after you. We should have been parked outside his house instead of the BLM people parked outside people's house. We should have been parked outside Mitch McConnell's house saying, You are a coward because you know that they are going to do this. Look, Mitch McConnell has done some great stuff. He's, he's concentrated on the judges, but that's playing their game. That's essentially saying, yes, we're not going to legislate. We're going to let the courts legislate. So we're going to put in the, the good uh, judges. But in the end, you're always going to lose that game. You're always going to lose because it's their game. They are trying to take power away from the people. And the problem is, is the establishment Republicans, and in that uh, category, I include Mitch McConnell, the establishment Republicans don't want the people to rule. They don't want uh, the Tea Party demanding that they spend less. Why would they want to spend less? Who the hell gets that money? They do. Why would they want to legislate? Who takes responsibility for legislation and gets voted out of office if people don't like it? They do. So they're happy to play the left's game. I've always pointed out that we are asking people to do things that are against what government normally does. Government grows; it takes power away from the people. It spreads and spreads, and basically t- says, "Oh, we're going to give you all this stuff," but you don't realize that all all the time they're giving you this stuff, they're taking stuff away. But who are these people? You know, who are is the left that that we're constantly placating, that we're constantly uh, allowing to have the last say? When when any Republican, any Republican who speaks the words. Black Lives Matter should be booted out. Any one of them, any single one of them should be booted out. We should vote against them. At this point, look, it doesn't matter because without Trump, we're going to lose it all anyway. You know, here is Mike Pence, who has remained a decent stalwart guy. Watch John Dickerson, a leftist hack. Watch him try to get Pence to say the words Black Lives Matter. One thing protesters would like to hear is leaders say Black Lives Matter. You won't say that. Why? What, what I see in the leaders of the Black Lives Matter movement is a political agenda of the radical left that would defund the police, that would... Leave uh, that out of it. Just defend monuments. So you won't say Black Lives Matter. John, I really believe that all lives matter. Okay. And that's where the heart of the American people lies. Leave the Marxism out, Mike. Just leave the Marxism. Just say the phrase. Say the phrase. <laughs> That's what it is. It's like once we get, just say the words and support the Marxism. We'll we'll take care of the Marxism. Don't you worry about that. Just say the phrase. We are always, and, and listen, you know, in part, I, I take some responsibility for this because I've been preaching this for, to the choir for so long and gotten nowhere with it, you know, If Fox News was such a success, why didn't we build six Fox News? Why didn't we uh, create a movie? studio? Why didn't we create women's magazines, a television streaming thing? Why have we done none of this stuff? So who are these guys, right? Who is Black Lives Matter? When you say the phrase, just forget the Marxism, just say that those words, Mike, please. Once you say it, what are you talking about? A spike in gun violence has left over a hundred people wounded or killed in dozens of shootings across New York City over the past nine days. A hundred people wounded or killed. Bill de Blasio and his Black Lives Matter cronies They turned Giuliani's beautiful city and Bloomberg's beautiful, safe, world-class city. They turned it into a hellhole overnight. It took only just a little bit of Black Lives Matter, a.k.a. Socialism, To turn New York City into a hellhole. That's how fast it happens. 112 victims in 83 shootings over a nine day period in a city where just five years ago you could walk down the street at three o'clock in the morning without worrying about it. I mean, that city was as safe as any major city in the world. And they blew it. They threw it all away. Black Lives Matter my ass. This is just socialism. It is just socialism that now. And now they're saying, oh, yeah, we're going to defund the police. We're going to a billion dollars. We're going to cut a billion dollars out of the police budget. That's who they are. That's Black Lives Matter. And if you're not talking about this in context, you know, when people start saying, oh, if well, maybe if Biden wins, maybe if Biden wins, it'll all be OK. Maybe if Biden wins, you know, then then they'll stop. They'll see that we're nice. to You know, I mean, really. Really? Because, because again, you know, I've worked on these hotlines where I've talked to women who actually say this stuff to me, you know, maybe if I can just do this, he'll stop punching me, you know, and you just want to say like, you know, really? Because, because maybe he's punching you because... That's who he is. This is who they are. Right. This is who they are. And the NY- NYPD police commissioner Dermot Shea said last week that the city's homicide rate had hit a five year high and that the criminal justice system was imploding. The number of people shot has risen 40 Two percent compared to last year. Meanwhile, in Minneapolis, where they're voting, the city council is voting to eliminate the local police force. They are voting to limit. They now have private security. The the people on the city council, the city councilors, have private security that costs taxpayers forty five hundred dollars a day, which in a city is a lot of money, right? This is this is what they're doing. You don't need police. Why why should you need police if I have police? If as long as I have police, you don't need police. I mean, this is who these people are. They are filled with hatred and insanity. And it's not about any. See, this is why this is why when I say we play their game, we shouldn't be talking about anything they're talking about. You want to, you know, our our answer should be screw you. You want to tear down a Robert E. Lee statue? Screw you. You want to take down statues of Columbus? Screw you. What have you built? Columbus discovered this continent. What have you done? You know, today, Charles Blow, the single stupid. Let's go to Knucklehead Row. We'll go to Knucklehead Row at The New York Times. Oh, hey. Here is Charles Blow, the stupidest, but most aptly named columnist on Knucklehead Row, the op-ed section of the New York Times. He says, on the issue of American slavery, I'm an absolutist. Enslavers were amoral monsters. Wow, what a brave brave position to take. The very idea that one group of people believe that they have the right to own another human being is abhorrent and depraved. Gee, Charles, that's something. He says, some people who are opposed to taking down monuments ask, if we start where will we stop? It might begin with a Confederate general, but all slave owners could easily become targets, even George Washington himself. And to that, I say, abso-fricking-lutely. I mean, screw you, Charles Bloat. By the way, I feel the same way about abortion. You could write this whole column about abortion. On the issue of abortion, I'm an absolutist. People who abort children are amoral monsters, but I have a sense of compassion because I'm a, an actual Christian human being. I understand that the narrative sweeps people away. I understand that the people who commit abortion don't know what know not what they do. Just like the people who killed Jesus knew not what they do. Just like the people who held slaves did not know what they were doing, but they did wonderful things. George Washington knew that uh, ultimately that slavery was wrong, but he built a country so free. So free that a guy like Charles Blow, can, who really hasn't the competence to do it, can be a columnist at the New York Times. That's how free a country he built by giving up the right to be the king of that country. He gave Charles Blow his freedom generations in advance, generations in advance. What has Charles Blow done? Sitting around pontificating on that slavery is bad. Many, many bad things are bad, Charles. Many bad things are bad, including abortion. And by the way, if your statues fall over slavery, they will fall over abortion as well. Just wait. All right. Let us stop for a moment now to talk about a blink sale. This is really interesting because I've actually known people who have been uh, debt collectors and it's not, you know, it's not a pleasant thing to have to do. And that's not the way you want your business to be running. You don't want to have to chase down a client or company that owes you money. Uh, you don't want to have to make ugly invoices to send you. I, I, I've done this where I have to build my own invoices. You don't want to have to nag people with inmail e- emails to pay up. That's why our friends at Blink. Sale, built an invoicing software that helps you stay on top of your money and keep track of everything in one place. With Blink Sale, you can send beautiful custom-branded invoices and estimates in seconds. You can stay on top of outstanding invoices. You can let your customers and clients pay your invoices online. You'll even get instant notifications when a customer opens your invoice so you'll know if they're just avoiding paying you. So, see for yourself. Try Blink Sale for free at BlinkSale.com slash Clavin. That's B-L-I K N K S A L E dot com slash Claven Blink Sale. Spend less time billing and more time doing what you love. You know, they tell you how to spell blink sale. I think you could have figured that out for yourself, but I know you're all wondering. The one thing you're all wondering is how do you spell Claven? It's K L A V A N. There and are no, no E's. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. There are no E's in Claven. Uh, you know, there, there's a, a letter that has come to light to a a local paper that was written by this uh, Nicole uh, Hannah-Jones, who wrote the 1619 Project. And, you know, since we're not forgiving anybody, since the past can never be forgiven, since if you wore blackface, you know, when you were 10 years old, or if you made a comment about gay people when you were 15 on Twitter, since that's fair game, why do Republicans say, well, she was only 19 or 20 when she wrote this? She was still in college. This is the woman who wrote What is now going to be taught to your children? It's now going to be taught to your children that this is a a country founded on racism. She lied. She lied. The New York Times lied and then received a Pulitzer Prize for lying. That that is one of the categories now of the Pulitzer Prize. But she says, she wrote to this thing, she said, "I, I find it hard to believe that any member of the white race can have the audacity and hypocrisy to call any other culture savage. The white race is the biggest murderer, rapist, pillager, and thief of the modern world. Europeans have colonized and destroyed the indigenous populations on every continent of this planet. See, one of the funny things about this, I wonder a lot about leftism. One of the things I wonder about leftism is how much of it is just stupidity and ignorance. You know, I mean... When I say stupidity, I don't mean low IQ because people can have a high IQ, but just know nothing. They can read nothing. They can convince themselves that history is what they want it to be. And that's what that's what uh, Nicole Hannah-Jones does. She convinces herself. She says, oh, well, the slaves freed the slaves as if, you know, I mean, it's just it's just not true. I mean, I understand that you want to have pride in your history, uh, but that doesn't make false things true. It doesn't make unfactual things factual, you know. There's a a wonderful book, a a memoir by a guy named Mungo Park, who was a British guy who helped explore Africa. And it was just amazing in the 18th and uh, early 19th century that they would just like some royal society of exploration would put out the word. We'd like somebody to go explore Africa and some young, brave fellow would think like, oh, that sounds like fun. I'll go do that. And Mungo Park ultimately did die over there. But if you read his memoir, it's just amazing. What's the biggest trade in Africa? It's the slave trade. They're slave. They're, they're slavers and they're Africans trading on other Africans because, of course, they're different tribes. They're not all one group of people. You know, so the idea that and, and the of course, the Muslims were tr- still trading, were trade. The Muslims were trading slaves long, long after slavery uh, disappeared here. They still trade. slaves. they still have slaves in the Muslim world, whereas George Washington and Thomas Jefferson, Patrick Henry and all the other American leaders were suddenly saying, you know, this is wrong. This is wrong. And it, what is so amazing to me, what's so amazing to me is that the, the values, the values that all these people are fighting for. American values. They're Western values. And, and you know, the people who had them were white, but that doesn't make them white values. That's their category. That's, that's Nicole Hannah Jones's category. It's not my category. I'm not going to say they were white, but they were Europeans. They were Europeans and they invented, discovered these ideas of freedom, of equality. And they came from Christianity and they came from the Greeks and they developed these ideas to the point where they said, hey, you know, all through human history, people have been holding slaves, we're not gonna do that anymore. So when you say, oh, white people are the worst than the slave, it's just a lie. And it's racism. It's racism straight up. Because you know, the, th- the thing is, it's all about the ideas. I don't know why ideas spring up in one place rather than another, but I'll tell you something. I am a colonial imperialist. I'm, I am a uh, an imperialist of ideas. I am a, an idea colonialist. I believe we should spread the ideas of freedom that we developed. And you do that, not just by sending them out into the world with pride, you do it by letting people into your country and having them adapt. I mean, that is the difference. And I just, it is just amazing to me. It is just amazing to me that we have invented this, this press that will accuse the very culture of racism that invented the idea that racism is bad. No one ever on earth said racism was bad before. No one ever. That has never happened. There is never the only time that has happened is in the Christian, the beginning of the Christian uh, movement, and a little bit in ancient Rome, but not really. In ancient Rome, racism was a big deal. There was still everybody was according to his race. But it was only really the Christian idea that in Christ we were all one, there was no Jew, there's no Greek. That was an idea that came from Christianity and ultimately, ultimately filtered its way into the Western mind. It doesn't come anywhere else. I mean, in every other place, in every savage place, in all, the, in all the places where there were Native Americans, tribes were killing tribes. In Africa, tribes enslaving, killing tribes. What are these people talking about? And why are we accepting the narrative? Why are we afraid? Why are we afraid to say anything? You know, these, I, the reason I'm not afraid, I mean, for one thing, I don't want anything from anybody. But the w- one reason I'm not afraid is I just consider people Americans. If you're an American, you're an American. You don't get off. to You can't hide behind the color of your skin. Not from me. You can't hide behind the color of your skin and say, oh, I can say this because I'm black. But you can't say it. When you attack me, then you're racist. Screw that! Screw it all! You know, I mean, this is what I don't understand. It's like what we we have gotten into a place where, in order to say the things that I'm saying to you right now, you have to be such a belligerent, or you have to be like me, living on another planet entirely, in your mind. But you have to be such a belligerent that who do you get? You get Donald Trump. You know, Donald Trump said this. He was talking to Hannity, and this is. I want to play a couple of cuts from this, but right now I just want to play one about uh, talk about attacking the press. Here's what he said about attacking the press. If I didn't take on the media, I guarantee I wouldn't be here with you tonight. I'd be watching on television. Maybe I'd be in the crowd, but I'd be watching. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be interviewed. You couldn't win. And I have it even to this day. I mean, every The New York Times is so dishonest. The Washington Post is so dishonest. They write things. You can do something great and they can make it sound horrible. You can do something good And they can make it sound beyond belief bad, like it's the worst thing ever. Uh, Or, and I said it a little bit before, you can do something great and it doesn't get reported. That's in a way just as bad. All that is true. All that is true. And if you're attacking the press because the press is a damaging, corrupt, decadent institution, which it is, that's one thing. But if you're attacking the press because you don't like being attacked, if it's all ego, if it's all ego, Ultimately, people are going to start to say, hey, you know, we're hurting here. We're out of work here. The economy's bad. Uh, You know, we've got all these violent protesters screaming to take down our culture, to destroy our culture. Speak into the moment don't just tell us about the fact that you, this is why Nolte is so angry. Everybody's picking on John Nolte. They're all on his Twitter feed. They're all yelling at him for what, for attacking Trump. And he's saying, no, I want Trump to win. I will crawl over broken glass. He has been all in on Trump from the very beginning. I used to have him on the show when I was attacking Trump and he would make the arguments for Trump. And we had some really good conversations, Nolte and I, you know, he has been in from the beginning. He's talking about behavior that is causing him to lose, that is causing him to lose. Victor Davis Hanson has an ex, Excellent piece. Uh, he says the hour of reckoning is here, and either Trump will crush the lawlessness and win the swing voters to his side, or he will listen to the tremors and lose the country. Trump's dilemma is real and, in some sense, unprecedented. This is a really good point, by the way, from VDA. She says, "We are in uncharted waters when blue state officials don't mind the violent chaos in their midst, or at least feel that, in a cost-benefit analysis, it serves their November purposes more than a restoration of law and order." In other words, when Trump. Trump calls to stop the violence. He's getting nothing from the blue state govs. He's getting nothing from the people in the blue states. And I think, you know, when you hear, for instance, a DA in Oklahoma uh, charged several protesters with assault, rioting and terrorism. And he said, this ain't Seattle. This is terrorism. It is terrorism. Uh, Four people, I think it's four people, uh, have been... um, charged four men in charge with the failed effort to pull down the statue of President Andrew Jackson near the White House. They should start charging people for the vandalism. And, you know, you just have to be able to stand up to the press to do it. But it is unprecedented. It is unprecedented that Trump is getting nothing from the blue state. But take a stand. Take a stand. Stop telling me. Stop telling me that Joe Scarborough insulted you stop telling me that the press is mean to you. That's not the problem. The problem is not the press is mean to you. The problem is is that the press is mean to America. The problem is the press is mean to America. And you can say, well, they're attacking me because I'm defending America. That's fine. But that's not what he's doing. And the other thing is, and I don't have time to play this clip right now, but the other thing is on Hannity, Hannity asked him, what was he going to do in his second term? And he didn't have anything to say. And he's got to have something to say. He's got to be able to talk about his second term agenda. And, you know, the right has always had, has always had the best ideas. It has always had the best ideas for what to do about poverty, for what to do about racism. Our ideas on education have always been the best. And if you're not going to stand up for them, if everything is going to be about you, he's going to lose. He's going to lose. It is still time to turn this around. There are a lot of people who aren't talking to the pollsters, but the pollsters aren't lying. That's not true. The pollsters aren't lying to you. The pollsters may not be getting everybody who doesn't, you know, I think a lot of Trumpians won't even tell their mothers uh, that they're voting for Trump. I think that's true, but the pollsters aren't lying. He has got to turn this around. He's got to do it by talking to us. All right. If you have not subscribed to the Daily Wire because you're worried about the money and you gotta feed your kids or pay your rent and stuff like that, get with the program, all right? We're going, just just because we coddle you, because we understand that you hate to see your kid lying there too weak to get up because he hasn't eaten in days, and so you don't get an uh, all-access, which isn't that expensive, actually, I am joking, but we do have a cheaper version. It's called the Reader's Pass. It's only three bucks a month, and when you sign up, you get the first month for only 99 cents, which is actually a penny less than a dollar, and you get access to our mobile app, which is excellent. You get articles ad free, which is also excellent. And you get exclusive uh, access to exclusive editorials like one by Shapiro, The Only Good People in History. That was an a- a- excellent piece. But you notice they never put my pieces in? It's because I talk like the way I'm talking now. So if you haven't checked out the Reader's Pass already, go to dailywire.com and sign up for just a buck. And then it's three bucks after that. It really is worthwhile. Anything that gets you that uh, mobile app is terrific. All right, come over to dailywire.com and subscribe. All right. You know, when I, when I say, when I always say that, uh, because the left is so bad, there's no, there's no point in blaming the left for things. The left is actually accomplishing what it wants to accomplish, which is destroy to destroy freedom. The left wants to destroy freedom because they think that when they are there and they have, when all of America is one big Chaz, it's going to be great. That cause once they can run things, Oh oh my, how wonderful things will be. There won't be any racism because they're so pure. They're so pure. There won't be any racism. It's going to be great. It's going to be excellent. When I when I say that we on the right should look at what we're doing wrong, that they that people with such bad ideas who are so violent, who the things they do are so ugly, who their hatred for America is so ignorant and stupid. All, when I say we should look at ourselves, it's because we're the only people to look at. You know, you don't like if you don't like Trump, why is he there instead of somebody you like? You know, that's the question we should be asking. And I don't get this from Anybody, I don't get it from anybody. Who was I listening to the other day? Selena Vito. You know, she's the one who actually goes out and interviews people. And and they all say to her, she said this, they say, they say to her, no one is taking stock of what went wrong. If they don't like Trump, why aren't they asking themselves, what did we do wrong? And certainly, certainly it was the dissing of the Tea Party, the treatment of the Tea Party as if they didn't matter. It was the treatment of Obama as if he was untouchable because he was black when they came out and said, we won't impeach Obama. Why not? What if he breaks the law? as he apparently did, why shouldn't, why should we declare that we're not going to impeach, impeach Obama? They wouldn't lay a glove on him because they were so afraid of who of the press. The people didn't care. Most of the people in this country are there's, there's so little racism, true racism in this country that, and, and certainly so no institutional racism that most of the people didn't care. They would have, you know, they were willing to take on Obama. As he was, as a person, the, it was the press they were afraid of. They're so afraid of the press. And when I, when I examine myself and I think like, well, you know, how, how have I failed to contribute? One of the things I think is I went around for 15 years telling people it's the culture. It's not the politics. It's the culture. We can win Ohio forever. We can get every court case. We can get every judge in the world. But if we let them dominate the communications industry and the entertainment industry and the academy we are going to lose. And at some point I started to think, you know, no one's going to do this. Maybe I should start to build this business. And I started to think about it and I was really kind of moving toward it when the virus hit. But the fact is I'm an artist. I make stuff. You know, that's what I do. I make stuff. I sit in my room and I make stuff and I depend on other people to build the businesses that put my stuff out there. You know, I'm willing. I'm willing to try it. If somebody wants to give me the money, I'm willing to try it. But I, I I, regret I regret that I didn't do that, that all I could do was throw myself on the on the sword again and again, which I did. I made the art that I thought needed to be make, made. I made it for young people I made it for old people and made it any way I could. I got it out there any way I could. I did that. I did that. But I didn't build a business that would do this. We need these businesses. We need to have TV shows that stream and not just Christian art. I'm sorry. Not just everything is going to be okay. If you say Jesus, 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 not art. That's just squeaky clean. That's uh, g rated that, that 80 year old people like not the stuff that serves those people who are yelling at another kingdom, that it was pornographic because it had a sex scene in it, not uh, stuff for everybody stuff for everybody with our values in it. I mean, go take a look at the Dark Knight trilogy. That basically uh, serves the term. But as I have always pointed out, why do our people have to wear masks? Why don't we make movies about Reagan? Why don't we make movies about the true stories? Uh, that we can tell. Why don't we make movies of real drama? I mean, look at, look at uh, Ghostbusters where the EPA is the bad guy. The EPA is the bad guy and the universities are the bad guy. I mean, that's basically the kind of conservative movie we should be making, but we are so afraid. We are so afraid. Let me just show you, you know, the, the, the virus, the Chinese virus is starting up again. And, you know, it's, it, it, it's true. It, it, It was what we all said would happen as the reopening came. There would be a spike. There, there's been spikes. However, however, the truth is that the death toll seems to be getting lower because younger people, younger people are getting it because it's the young people who go out. We are all trying to save the clavin. We all know this. every single person in the country, left, right, black, white. They're all just saying save. The- I don't care what else happens. As long as we save the clavin, it will be fine. But the young people go out and here's Ron DeSantis in Florida where they're having a spike. Uh, here's him talking about who's getting the flu now. You still see the numbers um, in those younger age groups uh, compared to the number of, of positive tests, very, very, very low uh, fatality rates. Um, and so you're seeing it in those groups who are less at risk, uh, but you're seeing them test positive at much higher rates. I think uh, 25 to 34 um, has been pretty close to 20 percent, and we're seeing it all across in the different areas of the state. This is the one kind of consistent thing. Yeah, because those are the people who go back to work. Those are the people who go in bars. Those are the people who party immediately and all this stuff. So the press, once again, I mean, it's just amazing. It is amazing. They're so obvious, but it doesn't matter how obvious they are, because even when you know they're doing it, when you are surrounded by a cloud of noise, that cloud infects you. So the press, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that they're lying. It doesn't matter that they lie and lie and lie. Uh, Tara Reid, the best example, always the best example. We were all sitting around talking about Christine Blasey Ford when she was accusing uh, Brett Kavanaugh of sexual malfeasance with no evidence that they had ever met. We were all talking about that. Nobody's talking about Tara Reid, who actually worked for Biden and says he shoved her up against the wall and digitally raped her. We're not. Nobody's talking about that. Why? Because the press controls the narrative, whether we like it or not. Even if we're even if we're attacking their narrative, we're playing defense. So now their narrative is, oh, Texas, they swaggered into a disaster. Texas swagger. Oh, Houston. Houston is having all this. Well, you know what else happened in Houston? The George uh, Floyd funeral. Happened in Houston. That's where the, the funeral took place. All these Black Lives Matter protests, all these Antifa protests. Now, here, let's let's take a look. Let's take a look at a montage. First, the first half of a montage of how they covered the protests. This is how they covered the protests to reopen the states, get the states reopened. Here's the news media covering those protests. Watch these images. Really, just an ugly, a dangerous scene at the state capitol in Michigan. As we look at this extreme group of people those pictures and those clashes really show um the the chaos and you're out there with with um with guns i don't want to call them rallies they're not protests these quote-unquote protests i I don't even think that that's the right word uh, because protests are supposed to be peaceful i'm not embarrassed to say that i was afraid it's not clear what they're demanding, demanding to infect other people, demanding to make other people sick. It's dangerous, and these people can take this home with them and hurt their families and all the rest. I'd like to ask them if they're willing to sign away their right to treatment, if and when they get infected. Who the hell do you think you are? I don't understand what is wrong with people. Loud noises! <laughs> <laughs> we added that last one, but the one before that was Don Lemon. The one before that was Don Lemon. Now the Black Lives Matter protests start. And they're huge. I mean, these things were huge. They were packing in. The, the, there was a uh, a gay rights march, a pride march in Chicago over the weekend. It was enormous, just enormous people going down the, the street. I mean, just packed. It was just absolutely huge. Here is the way the same news media, the same people covered the Black Lives Matter Antifa riots and protests. I want to be clear in how I characterize this. This is a, mostly a protest. Uh, it is not. Uh, it is not, generally speaking, unruly. That ain't a riot. What we're seeing right now in Minneapolis—excuse me—any reasonable person would say we shouldn't be destroying other people's property. But these are not reasonable times. And please show me where it says that protests are supposed to be polite and peaceful. The beautiful thing is, we're seeing citizens who are caring and concerned. They're hitting the streets. Heartwarming to see so many people turn out peacefully you know brooke i think this is a march really but as they're coming off it's peaceful they're saying peaceful protest across the country uh they uh, it's bringing people together community with unity people are risking covid to explain to this country that we're fed up That's amazing, Nancy Pelosi. It's community with unity. It's community with unity. You know, it's like what? What are they talking? You know, the thing. The thing about this is, is like, it's our fault that these. Mudniks have gotten as far as they have. These are bad people. These are bad people who do bad things. I don't care if they call their mothers once a week. I don't care what they do. But this is a this is a bad movement. Black Lives Matter is a wicked movement. Antifa is a wicked movement. It's not anti-fascist. It is fascist. Black Lives Matter doesn't think black lives matter. It thinks Marxism matters. If we're not saying this stuff loud and clear, if we are not explaining ourselves, if we don't have the uh, venues to from which to explain ourselves we're done for. We are done for. And you can't lay it all on Trump. You cannot lay it all on Trump. You can't ask one man to go out and fight all this power because the only kind of person who's going to do it is going to be a guy like Trump. All right. Let me have a final uh, final reflection here. I want to just talk. I want to go back to this idea of being a cultural imperialist because that's what I am. And, and when I say that, you know, Immanuel Kant, the great philosopher, uh, said that the, it's up to the West to teach the rest of the world the values of the West. And and what's funny about this, what is funny about this is the people who hate the West agree with me. They agree with Immanuel Kant that it's up to the West to teach these values. That's why they want, you know, when they say everybody should be allowed into America. Why? If America is so evil, why should America want, why should anybody want to come here? Well, they want, they think that our uh, acceptance of different ethnicities, our tolerance should mean that everybody can come in because they want our tolerance to become everybody's tolerance. When they talk about, oh, Muslims aren't so bad. You know, Muslims used to allow Jews to live peacefully in their areas. What are they saying? They were saying at one point, Islam had values a little bit more like the West. It wasn't true, but that's that's what they thought. They're always holding up Western values as the values. They're always holding up European values. Values as the values, and so am I. Those values are the values. There is no, there's nothing on the other side of freedom. There's nothing on the other side of tolerance. There's nothing on the other side of being anti racist. See, they they think that, oh, if they just, we've reached that peak, but if we just go beyond the peak, we'll do even better. But beyond the peak, of course, is down, and now they've gone down the other side. And so when we defend our ideas and they call us racist because these ideas were generated out of Europe, We have to not accept the premise. The premise is that the ideas are good. I don't know who invented fire, but I'm not going to sit in the dark because he was different from me. I don't know who it was who invented fire, but I want fire. I want to be able to cook my food, so I will take it. In the same way, freedom, a lot of different paths flowed into the ideas of freedom, but mostly they came from Jerusalem and they came from Athens. Mostly the ideas came from Jerusalem and Athens into Europe, and they were developed in Europe in Germany, in England, and they just and came to America. That's where those ideas came from. If you like those ideas, stick with the ideas and stand up for them and don't let them invent these categories and these side issues that we argue over. We shouldn't be arguing over a single statue with people like this. You know, we should be defending, not just defending our values, spreading our values, not just, uh, you know, bringing people in and forcing them to assimilate to our ways, but sending them out through movies, through the culture, through all the different ways that we used to send these values out so that the rest of the world feels they have to live up to them. For a while, we had that going, but we got so powerful. We got so rich. We had no, we defeated all our enemies. We defeated the Nazis. We defeated the Soviets. We got so powerful, so rich. We forgot you have to keep fighting that fight or these people come out from under the rock that they lived under and they start to tear the country down. And that's what's happening. And it's amazing to me. It's amazing to me that we turn to Donald Trump because he fights, but we don't look at ourselves and say, well, why aren't we fighting too? All right. I got to stop there, but I'll be back again tomorrow with more claveny goodness. I'm Andrew Claven. This is the Andrew Claven show. Technical producer, Austin Stevens. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. Assistant director is Pavel Wadosky. Edited by Danny D'Amico. Audio mixed by Robin Fenderson. Hair and makeup, or head and makeup, by Nika Geneva. Animations are by Cynthia Angulo. Production assistants, McKenna Waters and Ryan Love. The Andrew Claven Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire, 2020.